Hi, and welcome to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. We meet every Saturday at 11 a.m. at 584 Franklin Road in Franklin, Tennessee. You can find out more information on our website at koldodi.org or watch us live on our Facebook or YouTube by simply searching for Koldodi Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Jewish tradition places great emphasis on the naming of a child, for in that name is the history and the hopes of the family and the blessings for the newborn success, Jewish success. There's nothing that so deeply touches a family's nerve system as the naming of a child. And the Torah gives us an understanding of Jewish survival through our names. It's our own. It's our identity. I learned the lesson of the importance of a name from Rose Price. Rose was a Holocaust survivor. I repeat, she was a survivor who in her early teens, along with her sister, experienced the horrors of Nazi Germany in four camps. Rose was a Jewish believer and an evangelist for Yeshua We lost Rose just a few years ago. I had the privilege of visiting the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp in Germany with Rose in 2008 as part of a memorial for the death marches of 1945. Rose wanted to visit Bergen-Belsen because she needed to see hers and her sister's names in the Bergen-Belsen prisoner logbooks that are kept as part of the memorial. It was important that she see her name. When Francis handed out the names of some of the hostages last Shabbat and asked us to pray, I was moved by something that Rose had said to me 15 years ago as we walked through Bergen-Belsen. She said, the Nazis could take my freedom. They could take my dignity and even my life. But the one thing they could not take from me was my name. So powerful, her name. As a result, the names of all 50,000 people who had perished in Bergen-Belsen were remembered verbally by the German German congregation who had sponsored our tour. It took weeks, but every name was lifted up in prayer and they also printed a booklet with every single name. Rose taught me this important lesson. Even though the hostages are being held captive, they each have a name, a name that is theirs, that identifies who they are, a name that cannot be taken away. And we are called to pray for them. It's important to God, to them, and their families. Our teams of four to six people prayed every night this past week. I thank them for joining in. You know who you are. Thank you. We prayed for each one of our hostages by name 
for a safe release, for health, for strength, for salvation, or whatever the Spirit led us to pray at that moment. As Francis so humbly said on one of the calls, Lord, I am so broken that I don't know what or how to pray. We all agreed. We just know that you, Lord, want us to pray. And so we will continue to pray this coming week, each night starting Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. for all the precious souls you are seeing on the screen. There are currently 181 hostages in this album. As the names of the others become known, we will add them. Yesterday, as you know, thank you, Lord, two were released. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for answering our prayers for Natalie and Judith. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7 reminds us that we are watchmen. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the name of the Lord, give yourselves no rest until, until and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. And just like when Moses and Israel battled against the Amalekites, where her and Aaron had to hold Moses' arms up to continue the battle, our prayers are how we engage the enemy and his evil. Our prayers lift up Israel and the hostages in this battle. Prayer is a privilege. God hears our prayers. God wants us to pray. The hostages want us to pray. Their families want us to pray. And pray we will until all are found and released. And if you would like to join us in prayer, please see me after service, and I will share the Zoom link with you. Perhaps we can get several teams praying. And Lord, I would also just like to have my sister Beverly, Lord, who has been a solid prayer partner all week, and she has a few words. Thank you, Gary. Um, as it came up in the prayer time this week, as stated in the parable of the woman and the unjust judge, we're going to keep coming. We're going to keep knocking at God's door. We are determined that we will keep coming to him. Lord, release. Lord, rescue. Lord, deliver. Lord, bring peace. Lord, destroy the enemy. Lord, rise up and let your enemies be scattered. We are coming. We are going to do what he said. He said to ask, to seek. He said to do these things. We are going to be obedient as a congregation. Amen? Amen. There's some further uh, uh, background. There's some further uh, background information that we have to share with you just for a few minutes uh, concerning the hostages. We have approximately... Um, 181 known names. Now, I heard this morning that there are actually 210 people, and Gary has heard uh, a 201. Um, of the 183, 94 are women, 89 are men, 30 are over the age of 90. Not, I'm 80. I'm sorry, here it says 70, sorry. Nine are over the age of 80. The oldest is 85. The youngest is nine months 
there are at least 30 cases where there are two or more of the same uh, family that were taken. We prayed for a family with five people who are, are being held hostage. Two families have at least four of their immediate family members taken. Eight children under 10 were taking, taken. We prayed for siblings that are two and four years old. Alexander Danzig is a 75-year-old renowned sorry, Holocaust historian. He's one of the hostages. Celine Nagar, 35, has a six-month-old child at home with her husband. She was just taking a little time off after she gave birth, just to, just to go and enjoy herself, and was taken. Many of the people taken from um, area kibbutzes were, were peace activists and worked to help Palestinian children. They wanted peace with the Palestinians but Hamas didn't see. When you hate, you cannot see. You are blinded. Hate will make you do things that you never thought you could. It blinds you to the truth. Our hearts break at these stories. Our hearts break concerning our brothers and sisters who are being held hostage. Our hearts break because the Palestinian people are also hostages to their leadership. A lot of them. A lot of them agree. But there are a lot. There's a very famous writer that I met, a Palestinian writer several years ago, um, who told the story and the history, and I was blown away. And he said to us, he was talking to a group of Jewish rabbis in New York City, to the Jewish Board of Rabbis. And he says, I have brothers now who are in refugee camps right now. This was maybe 2017, 2018. And all we want is peace. We want to live in peace. We don't hate Israel. And he spoke with such love. And I wonder where he is today. I really do. Um, I think his, uh, his name is Basim Ayd. And he came to the United States to, to lobby Congress about this situation. And so we want to just pray for a few more minutes for our brothers and sisters. For we are Israel. Those of you, those of us who believe in Yeshua have been engrafted into the tree. So when Israel is in trouble, I'm in trouble. Amen? These are not strangers. These are family members. So my heart is broken. I'm troubled. And I just want to share Psalm 40, the last verses, beginning at 13. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame. For they said, aha, we've got him now. And that's what I'm hearing. 
through media. May all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great. As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior. Oh my God, do not delay. That is the cry of our hearts today, almighty God. Do not delay. We pray for release, for release, for rescue, for the settling of this situation. Now, oh our God, do not delay in the name of Yeshua. We pray for the comfort of the hostages. We pray your hands over them. We pray your mercy over them. We pray your protection over them. We pray for their captors, that you would blind them to their own hatred. Give them a heart for those they've taken hostage. Lord, break the back of this demonic thing. We ask in the name of Yeshua. Release, Lord. Rescue, Lord. Deliver, O oh God. Our Father, do not delay. We cry out now in the name of Yeshua. Amen. God, we just continue to, yes, to intercede, Lord, and thank you for the faces and for all the work that they've done, Lord, and Gary pioneering and just this passionate on his heart, Lord, putting all these names and faces and, they, and to, together, Lord, for us to see, and we just pray Lord, many would be involved, Lord, mobilize, Lord, as a continue an army, Lord, to pray for them, oh God, and, and, and oh God, that you would touch again, do, Lord, I remember reading stories, Lord, of touching captors' hearts, <coughs> Lord, supernaturally, Lord, breaking through, Lord, in communist prisons, of reading stories with Wormbrandt, Lord, and how you did that supernaturally. Do it, Lord, oh God. Answer these prayers. Answer our cries, God. Continue to help us to continue to persevere through this. Thank you, Lord. Today we're going to talk um, about Psalm 83. Just to give you a little bit of preparation, Psalm 83 talks about a war. It's a war that Israel is a participant in. And so um, timing, I think, is good to talk about that. The Lord laid this on my heart a few weeks back before the October 7th attack. I had actually prepared to give this sermon a little background just on, you know, the, the October 7th attacks, and it happened unexpectedly, and it happened by Hamas, um, a terrorist organization, and it was brutal. They attacked on many fronts. They attacked through the air, through hang gliders. They attacked on land. They attacked by sea. They attacked unexpectedly, and their brutal attacks were not just ones that are, were of normal warfare between combatants. They brutally murdered families, elderly, women, children, babies, decapitating the heads of newborn babies, which is horrific. And so Israel declared war, rightfully so. And there's a lot of questions that are going around the media they're good questions. The questions are, could this conflict expand? And the answer is, it possibly could. It absolutely could. So we need to be prepared for that. Um, regardless of whether or not this conflict expands, 
the Psalm 83 war is going to happen someday, somehow, and God tells us in all of his words to be prepared um, for anything that could come up. He gives us a lot of detail about what is going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we need to be prepared in every way for what God tells us is going to happen. And just to let you know, God, God knows the future, and God lets us in on the future. God is the only one that can predict the future, but he can, and he does, and he provides us with a lot of information. And so I am going to help pass along some of this information to you that uh, I think is relevant um, to the times we're living in and certainly to some time in the future. So, so first of all, I want to sort of say, what is the Psalm 83 war? That's question. Um, and I'm just going to touch on it. So if you want more details, there is a gentleman by the name of Bill Solace that is an expert on this and other end-time wars. He's, his website is prophecydepot.com. You can go there and get a lot of materials on this because so, I'm just going to have time to touch on it. Um, and let me just read this to you. Psalm 83.1 says, O oh God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent. And still, O oh God, do not be still. And go to the next slide because I want to read Psalm 83.2 as well. For see, your enemies make a tumult. They, they that hate you have lifted up the head. Okay, so Psalm 83 and 1 and Psalm 83 2 are a petition to God. And the petition to God comes because the enemies of God, the enemies of God's people, Israel, are going to come up against him. And it's going to be such that the enemies of Israel are strong enough that Israel itself cannot do it and cannot defend itself unless God intervenes. And God is being asked here to intervene. And I want to just say that what Gary and Beverly talked about and are doing, I was going to say this before they said anything, prayer is the most important thing. There's absolutely no question. And I'm just so grateful to Gary and Beverly and everybody in our congregation that are praying on behalf of the people of Israel, the hostages, the nation, the army, um, everyone pulling together. And so here's an example. Israel and the supporters of Israel are going to be praying at this time and asking God to intercede because it's going to be a massive conflict of people that are more numerous than the Israeli nation, and it's going to be an attack on the Israeli nation. And so the psalm tells us a little further what's the, what's the attack going to be like. So if you'll turn to the next slide. With cunning, they scheme against your people and conspire against those you cherish. So their plans are going to be crafty. They're intelligent, and they are crafty. They are going to probably devise some attacks that certainly I wouldn't be expecting, um, and maybe those of you here wouldn't be expecting. I'm hoping that the nation of Israel and its defense forces are on complete alert now because they need to expect the unexpected. The attackers, the enemies, are going to do the unexpected. So they have to be alert and be aware 
that that is going to happen. It will happen at a time that they don't expect it. Maybe it's at night. Maybe it's first thing in the morning like the Hamas attack was. Maybe it's during a holiday or a holy day. So be on alert at all times is what this particular psalmist is telling us. And this psalmist is Asaph. Asaph was connected with David, King David, and he was very familiar with the territory and the times when he was writing this, and so God enlightened him to write this psalm. So it gives us a little more. Go to the next slide, please, David. They have said, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be in remembrance no more, for they have consulted together with one accord and with one heart, Against you, they make a covenant or a confederacy. Um, they are confederate against the nation of Israel, these enemies. They are cunning, and they declare, which, by the way, is the same exact thing that Hamas declared, we want to wipe Israel out as a nation, and that Israel will be remembered no more. And that means Israel worldwide. And so um, when people say that, they mean it. They're not, they're not looking for a, a two-state solution or peace or anything. They're looking to wipe out Israel as a nation. So Israel, the people of Israel, and the believing community need to know that. They're not like people in the West are where they value um, life, and I'm not talking about the people of, of this region, I'm talking about the leaders, the leaders, they're looking to um, get rid of Israel as a nation. So, so that is the background as to what's happening. So the question is, who, who are these people that are going to be attacking Israel? And so the psalm, the next few verses of the psalm tell us who they are. And so I want to go through, and there's a, it's a nice map there. It talks about, and it's all the surrounding nations and peoples of the nation of Israel. And all of the individual people that, uh, the names that are up there are all the, the biblical names, but we can sort of see who those correspond to in today's situation. You've got Edom there, and the Edomites, for the most part, were um, the, the modern-day people are the Palestinians around the world. Um, again, I'm not saying all Palestinians are, are bad, but Hamas certainly is. Hamas is included in that. So Hamas would be one of the, one of the parties that would join this confederacy. Um, and then if we just go sort of north to south, we have uh, Gibal, which is in northern Lebanon. We have Tyre, which is in southern Lebanon, which is currently where Hezbollah operates. And by the way, Hezbollah's rocket and munitions are much more sophisticated than those that Hamas has. And so they're very powerful. Um, we see to the right uh, Amman, which is northern Jordan, Moab, which is central Jordan, um, the Ishmaelites, which are in Saudi Arabia, the Hegarines, which are in Egypt, Amalek, which is in the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt, um, and up here you see Assyria, 
which is Syria, modern-day Syria. So these are going to be the enemies of Israel that are going to form a confederacy. They're going to attack Israel. And Israel is certainly outnumbered. There's a scripture that says that um, God didn't choose Israel because they were the most numerous. On the contrary, they're not. Um, so this is going to be a more numerous force that has a lot of uh, firepower, if you will. And I believe they're going to use that firepower in a manner differently than Israel would use their firepower to defend itself. Um, they'll do it indiscriminately. Um, there's no sort of bars hold, but held back for children, for elderly. We see that with Hamas. So that is going to happen. Um, and then we have another slide. If you just sort of go to the next slide, I want to show you something. So this is Damascus, Syria. It, it is a city of about 2.6 million people. And um, it's prosperous today. Um, and it is not far from Israel, just a few hours away. You can see that's a picture of it. And there's a lot of buildings that are pretty tall and pretty sophisticated and whatnot. But Isaiah 17.1 says, Damascus will no longer be a city, but will become a heap of ruins. So the reality is that God said that it is going to happen. That city is, is 3,300 years old. It's the longest continuous city in history in the earth. It will be ruins. God said it will, it will be. But Isaiah 17.4 says Israel is going to take a hit. They are. They're not going to come out of this war unscathed. So they're not. So their enemies are going to be beaten. The prayer is going to be issued by the believing community worldwide, by Israelis, by non-Israelis. God is going to prevail and and Israel's going to win that war. And you ask me, how do I know Israel's going to win the war? I know for a lot of reasons. One is that the end times can't come if Israel is not a nation to call on the Messiah. So they have to win the war. We know their enemies are going to try to fight until they defeat Israel and remove them from the face of the earth. So they're not going to have a peace treaty with Israel. They're going to uh, try to remove them from the face of the earth. I also personally believe this is before the Ezekiel 38-39 war, and it says there that Israel will be living in unwalled villages. So Israel will win this war at a cost. The most important thing that we can do is be vigilant. We can pray. The war today is not that war. It could expand into it, but God's word is perfect, and somehow, someday, this is going to happen, and we need to be ready for it. So I say I leave that with you, and I leave one other thing with you. Right now, the most important thing you can do is pray for Israel, pray for salvation. Everyone that's not saved in Israel needs the Messiah Yeshua, and pray for others that are unsaved, whether they be with the Palestinian community or any of the Arabic communities or any worldwide community, because the most important thing that you can do is believe in Yeshua, and it will change you and change your life. Praise the Lord. Amen. So thank you, Lord, for what we just heard, and help us to store that in our hearts and our minds as we continue to pray. And thank you for the just the solid teaching, Lord, that we just heard and for how, how, uh, how mature it was, Lord, and to feed us in Yeshua's name. Continue to bless your word, we pray, to speak to us 
in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, Israel, as Jeff shared, is you know, surrounded by enemies and could face, uh, even in this current war, a multi, multi-front war with Iran and its uh, proxies as we've been, if you've been keeping up with things. And so it is really serious with what's happening. Um, and I love what Jeff mentioned, how he mentioned prayer, how prayer is, is the critical component we have, the weapon we really, the greatest weapon we have, uh, besides our physical weapons, because we ultimately don't wrestle with flesh and, flesh and blood, blood, ultimately, in Ephesians 6, 12. A friend in, uh, who just came back from China was interesting yesterday, spoke to, he had just come back from China from some work business there, and he said, he said, I didn't even know there was a war going on. He said, we couldn't get any news. Uh, he said, except that I spoke to my wife and I found out. But otherwise, he said, I wouldn't have even known. They kept everything silent. He says, didn't even say, one, one is to know about, you know, Israel. And, um, and then he said, since I've been getting back, this was interesting too, he said, since on my feed, he says on my feeds, everything has been pro-Palestinian. All my feeds, everything I get. And I said, maybe that's, I don't know if it's because you've been in China or what. He said, everything he's got is pro-Palestinian propaganda against Israel. Uh, another friend was on a, yesterday, again, I think that was actually the day before yesterday. And yesterday, I was speaking to another friend, and he, was, and he, he came up to me. He, said, he says, you know, you know what just happened an hour ago? He says, I was on a conference call with a number of people, and I have several Israelis that are on, on staff with me in other areas of the country. And he said, and someone from England uh, was on the call and just brought up something about Israel. And he said, Tal, an Israeli, said, broke down and had to leave the call. And we said, we had to, we had, we, we had to stop the conference call. He said, she just broke down because she, she, she knows hostages that are taken. And she just couldn't continue the call. And I said, yeah. You don't realize, you know, what, it, yeah, that's, he says, says, it was, it just, said, we all were broke, we, we didn't know what to do, we were, we couldn't believe it, we didn't realize how, how sensitive it was. He didn't say anything bad, he was just, it was just a, a, a short comment, and, um, you know, Israel is a family, and that's what people don't realize, it's, 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 and people talking about it here, I, I, we were listening to some news coming in, I put on some news, Fran said, turn that off, and she was right, I, you know, it, it, they don't realize you can't hear it. I, you can't hear it. It's like we're a family, and and uh, people talking about it like it's nothing, or like it's trite, or like they just don't realize. And because we were there as well, and felt the pain and felt what people are going through, we still feel it more than ever. Genesis six verses eleven through thirteen says the earth was ruined. This is in the parsha Francis read earlier. The earth was ruined. And the Hebrew word shachat is used before God. Genesis 6, 11 through 13. The earth was ruined before God and the earth was filled with violence. And as she mentioned, it's Hamas. Hamas, the word for violence there. God saw the earth and behold, it was ruined. Shachat, again repeats, because all flesh had corrupted shachat, their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the Noah, the end Ketz, the end of all flesh is coming before me, for the earth is filled with Hamas, with violence, because of them. Because I'm about to bring, behold, God says, behold, I'm about to bring 
Shachat, he uses the same word, Shachat, upon them along with the land. In the Hebrew, I will destroy them. It's just, I look, the Hebrew says, I will destroy them, the land. And so he says to Noah, make yourself an ark. Make for yourself an ark. Now, let me give you the two definitions of these two words. Shachat means irreversibly degenerated. This word translated ruined, corrupted, destroyed, whatever your translations might have in verses 11 and 13, it means to be irreversibly degenerated. And then Hamas, translated violence usually, means committing evil incrementally. Committing evil incrementally. So Hamas here is used two times, and then the other word, shachat, is used three times. And uh, the only solution, the only resolve, God says, is destruction in return. Meet destruction and violence with destruction. Unfortunately, the rest of creation suffers along with the violent humanity. And so it's parallel in this way. Israel is on a mission right now, not, listen, not of retribution, but of justice. Unfathomable atrocities were committed. And an existential threat still remains. And it has to be resolved. It has to be removed. It won't be pacified, may I say, with a policy of appeasement. It's only encouraged by a policy of appeasement. So pray, let's continue to pray. Our administration, which has been great, has been really great in some respects on this, but let's pray. We don't start to fall into a policy of appeasement. That's only going to encourage. It's not going to solve it. The end, God says, verse 13, verse 13. I'm not going to say more about that, but I think you understand. The end, he says, kets, the end Kol, ketz kol basar ba lifne. The end of all flesh has come before me. I don't know what's happening. None of us know. Are we at the end now? Are we coming to the end? Are we at the end of civilization? Are we coming to it? Multifaceted war, multi-front war that could break out? We don't know. I hope not. But he tells Noah in this case, in Genesis, this is what happens. He says, make for yourself an ark. Noah. Now, I can't imagine Noah doing this. You know, Noah, make for yourself what? Make what? Why? Flood? There's a flood coming, God says. A flood? Rain coming? Verses 17 of chapter 6. Verses, verse 4 of chapter 7, he says rain. There's never been rain before. There's never been a flood before. Mabul is the word for flood. What's this? An ark, teva, a box, some sort of a box. The only other usage of the word is later on in Exodus, by the way, with baby Moses, not David and Rachel's baby Moses, but um, the, the Exodus baby Moses, but with, with literally, the, um, he was put in the basket. That was the, that's the same word, teva. It's the only other usage of the word. And interesting, looked it up in modern Hebrew, it's used for mail, a mailbox, mailbox. So maybe you're sending mail, it's, I don't know, there's, you know, you're protecting, you're, it's, it's, I don't know. But Noah did all, it says, in verse 5 of chapter 7, he did all just as the Lord commanded him. 
In the Hebrew, ken asa, ken asa, yes, he did. My name is Ken in English from Kenneth, and when I go to Israel, I stop using Ken. That's Hanan. I don't use Ken because Ken is yes in Hebrew. Ken is yes. So every, I, I still, every, I'm turning around all the time. I hear Ken, Ken, Ken. I'm just there. No one's talking to you, Ken. <laughs> um, so that's what it says. Ken Asa. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Just his, it says that four times, verse 22 of chapter 6, five verse, 7, verse 5, and 9, and 16. He followed God's command. He just said, without understanding, even though it seemed ridiculous, seemed foolish, he, he went on that difficult task of building this ark. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen, of realities not seen. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, what has God called you to do? What is God asking you to do, telling you to do? Doesn't have to make sense, does it? Right? doesn't have to necessarily make sense what the Lord is telling you to do, what he's asking you to do. Let's remember that. It didn't for Noah. And then he tells him to come into the ark in chapter 6, verse 18, and 7, verse 1. Come into the ark. Ha-teva. Ha-teva. It's really come to it. Come to the ark in the Hebrew. Come to it. And I think there's a beautiful picture there, there is, of salvation, coming to salvation, come to the place of salvation, come to it, come towards it, come to it. There's only one means of escape. There's only gonna be one means of escape from the flood. Think about what that ark would represent. There's no multiple ways, just like on Passover, we emphasize that one way of escape that through the, 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 that night at, when, the, when the angel of death was passing over, one way of escape in the house with the lamb's blood on the doorpost. Well, one way of escape here, that was in the ark. And it says that the, I love verse 16 of chapter seven. Look at 7.16 says, then Adonai shut him in. Then Adonai shut him in. I love that. Sagar, he shut him in. It literally means he clo to close an opening. And it shut him in and, it, and it's literally be'ado behind him. He basically slammed the door shut. Boom. He shut the door. God slammed the door shut. He said, you're safe. You're safe now. I'm protecting you. I'm protecting you. The Lord protects us, doesn't he? The Lord protects us. By, by the way, your salvation is that way. Your salvation. God keeps you. He keeps you. He keeps you. So many verses, 1 Peter 1, 5. He keeps you. He seals us by his spirit at salvation. We're sealed. Ephesians 1, 13 and 4, 30. We're sealed until the day of redemption in Ephesians 4, 30. He's, he's, he's safe. He seals you and he keeps you safe. He seals you. So like that, we're in the ark, in Yeshua. He's, we're secure in him, safely sealed. Beautiful picture. Now, a worldwide flood is spoken of in the records and history of many ancient peoples and cultures. In the New Testament, the New Covenant, Yeshua, Peter, and the writer of Hebrews all make mention of it. It's in Matthew 24, it's in 1 Peter 3.20, Hebrews 11.7. The Genesis account takes place 10 generations after Adam. People had at least 120 years to change their direction. So realize that, they, all during this time he's building the ark, they had 120 years to change their direction. And there are many verses, Genesis 6, 3, 1 Peter 3, 20, 2 Peter 2, 5, all mention that time period. They had time. 
As with the Passover story, one way of escape, as I mentioned, not multiple ways. And the next worldwide judgment will be not by water, but by what? Exactly, very good, but by fire, by fire. Second Peter 3, verses 1 through 12, you can read it at home. That's what's going to happen, by fire. Now, mabul, let's say mabul. Mabul is the word for flood, hamabul, the flood. In Genesis 6 through 8, the world becomes a massive graveyard. We see what could be referred to as decreation, the very reverse or undoing of Genesis chapter 1 and 2 of creation. In 7.23, it says of Genesis that, that remained, it says, remained no, only Noah and those with him in the ark. Those that survived, only Noah, in the Hebrew, only, it would translate, only Noah and those with him in the ark survived. Only Noah and those with him in the ark survived. That's beautiful. Now the word survived, sha'ar, if you want to say that word, sha'ar, sha'ar means, it's where we get remnant from. Oh, there I do have it, sha'ar. So remnant comes from that, she'erit in Hebrew. And the faithful remnant, God always provides, has pr prepared a remnant. It says the faithful remnant of Israel, the Jewish people remaining true to God in the Bible are mentioned in Romans 11:6. At this present time, there's come to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Always remnant. God always has a faithful remnant. In Jeremiah 23, verses 3 and 4, I'll gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them, and I'll bring them back to their folds, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them, and they will feed them. They will no longer be afraid or dismayed, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. I know David Chernoff, Rabbi David Chernoff, he believes that those are messianic congregations. He really believes that's the prophecy in Jeremiah 23, 3 and 4. Heard, I've heard him teach that before, that that's what that refers to. So the remnant of Israel, and I love the, in, that fact that Samuel, when he asked Jesse in 1 Samuel 16, 11, he said, are these all the boys you have when, when Samuel uh, came to him and wanted to, was looking for the next king for who would anoint, and Jesse brought all his sons to him, and, they, and the Lord said, it's none of these, and there was one, he says, are these, is this all of them? And who was missing? Right, David. He didn't even think of David. He says, are, he says, he says, are these all the boys you have? He says, there's, and then, and then Jesse's dad says, oh yeah, well, there's still the youngest. That word youngest is sherit, is remnant. He's, there's still David. He's the remnant. He's the one, I didn't even think of him. And of course, he brings him, and he says, God says, that's the one. That's the one I want. He's the one. He says, he's tending the sheep. <laughs> he says, send and bring him, bring him here. Beautiful. God chooses the least, the lowly. He chooses you and I, all of us. We're part of the remnant. As, as Beverly shared earlier, so beautifully, so powerful. You know, Jew and Gentile, one body. We're part of Israel, you know, in our hearts. If Jew, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, if you're, you're grafted in, natural branches grafted in, wild, wild branches grafted in, natural branches into their own olive tree, and then Wild branches were grafted in together, Romans 11. And we are, and, but the remnants in the, in the Tanakh and, and usually in the Bible, it's really speaking of that, that minority, that 
of Jewish people that believe that are faithful to God amidst many that are not. And so only those, only Noah, think about it, Noah and those with him in the ark, it says. That's the Hebrew. Only those with him in the ark survived. Only those were the remnant. Only those remained. Noah, what a picture of Yeshua. He's a picture of Yeshua here. Only one safe place. And the ark, I think, a picture of salvation. Only one safe place. Now, you can extend your life and the lives of your loved ones some years by building remote, self-sustaining communities. And many, some are into that. And that's great. Well and good. But we only live here a mere hand breaths. <laughs> I just saw reading that the other day. Psalm 39, 6. We are, our life is hand breaths. It's so short. It's so short. So it, but it's all well and good. And God lead, is leading people to do that many times, to save others, to re help rescue others. And we extend our lives. Some, but ultimately, we're only here for a little while. The issue is, bring, the important thing is to live for an eternal purpose, to bring salvation, right? One safe place is Yeshua, is to bring people to the Lord, is, the, is, Yesh, is in the ark, the safe place. Ephesians 3.11 mentions an eternal purpose that we have to live for. Reveal Yeshua, share the good news. Paul says that I may be found in him. Philippians 3.9, be found in him. I want to be found in the ark with Noah, with Yeshua, heeding and following him into the ark and then out of the ark, when the ark landed, and when God said it was time to get out, repopulate, rebuild, and that's what they did. And I'll close with this. Mabul, Mabul, 717, the word Mabul comes from the root, Yaval, Yaval. Not Naval, not decay, as many, most of the commentators will, will say. Yaval means to bring home to bring home. The Lord's purpose for the flood ultimately was to decreate so that he could recreate, to undo so that he could redo. Let's start over again, beginning with you few, Sha'ar. As he spoke to wayward Israel through the prophet Ezekiel, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Return, return from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Ezekiel 33, 11. Ultimately, he's being patient toward you. He says, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. Desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 1 Peter 2, 4. He wants to bring us home. He wants to bring us home. Yaval. That's the purpose, ultimately, of everything that he does to bring people home home to know him. So Lord, we just thank you for this passage this of Noah this week. We thank you, Lord, for your desire to see. Thank you for the safe place, for, for Noah's obedience. Thank you for the picture that we have in scripture that, to, that those with him in the ark were su survived made it, and we're with, we want to be found in you. We want to bring many into the ark, Lord, many into salvation, many to know you, God, through our lives, to reveal you where, and have that, live with that eternal purpose. 
Thank you, Lord, for what we've learned today about Israel and the nations and the future. And whatever time we're in, Lord, we thank you that we can live with that eternal purpose in our lives. If you, I want to just say, if you're watching this today, you're here today, you've never made that decision, you've put it off, you've postponed it, maybe you didn't understand it before, you'd never heard that you can have a relationship with God, with the living God through Yeshua, that's Jesus in Hebrew, through Jesus, the Messiah, that he died for you, that he, he was your he, he, he was your atonement, your sacrifice. He died for you so that your sins, so you could have forgiveness and a new life. Here's a prayer you can pray. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. Not many gods, not many gods, the living God. You, the, the living God. I want to know you, the only true God. Through Yesh, this, your son, Yeshua. Please, God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me, give me this new start, Lord. Give me this new start. Today, Lord, I want to be part of your remnant, part of your, of those, that I want to be in, come into the ark, the safe place, the flood all around me. Yes, destruction all around me, but in you, you shut the door. You shut me in. I want to be in that safe place, Lord, protected by you, forgiven of my sins. So I trust you today. And if you're praying that prayer, please, let's, if, if, we're going we're to stand in a minute and there'll be some people up here that will pray. We'll be here to pray with you. Let them know that you prayed. Let someone know that you prayed that prayer. They'll pray with you. Or let us know. Contact any or someone that you came with. Or if you're, or if you're watching online, contact us and we will contact you back. So let's stand and we're going to close in the benediction. So receive this blessing from the Lord. May he, as he, may he put his name on us, upon us afresh. Yevrechecha Adonai veyishmorecha Ya'er Adonai panavelecha vichunecha Yisa Adonai panavelecha Viyasem lecha shalom Bishem Yeshua HaMashiach Sar HaShalom May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, the ruler of peace. And everyone said, Amen. Shabbat Shalom.